We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, my guys, Jack Manuel and Matt Brooks. Fellas, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm looking at Twitter right now. Over, I don't want to say overreacting, because that's <laughs> not fair to, to Robert Williams. Um, Robert Williams is apparently playing really well right now, so shouts to him. Yeah, I feel like Will Ferrell from Talladega Nights. You know, I've got the microphone back from podcasting. I'm like, well, what do I do with my hands now? I forgot how to <laughs> podcast. It's been too long. Yes, we are off for a week. We are now back. The Nets will not let us rest. we got plenty of coaching uh, news to talk about. But as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, fellas, last week we got the news that Greg Popovich was going to be the top priority for the Nets. You know, and we got some new, more news about Jacques Vaughn and Tyler we'll touch on a little bit later. But before we get to that, what was your initial reaction when you saw that Popovich was a top priority for the Nets heading to the offseason for that opening coaching spot? Yeah, I mean, my my initial reaction was just curiosity. Like, I'm somebody I always and <laughs> this is gonna sound very um, Brooklyn's beady. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I like to know where the leak comes from. So, like, what part of the organization is this coming from? Is it from the personnel? Is it from Marks? Is it from ownership? Is it from the players? It seems to me like it's from ownership right now. I think that that's where I'm at right now. And with that, it's very tough for me to evaluate because 
personally, and I'm just going to lay this out here, um, he's a new owner. In general, new owners really, really like to make splashy moves. So I that was my immediate thought. I don't know if any of that's accurate. <laughs> Jams did say on a podcast with the Glue Guys that uh, Josai and Sean Marks were more of a partnership in this coaching search, more so than Shaw- Marks doing it on his own. Mm. And, and that makes a, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And and I think that you know we look back to the, the Kenny Atkinson era with Sean Marks, and you know the leaks weren't necessarily there, and not necessarily a bad thing because you know if this is from ownership from Josai and, and and the guys there, it to, it shows you it. It shows you as an owner, it shows that you will do everything to make this organization the best organization it can be. Get the best asset to win championship basketball that it can be. It it it, it paints the, the Brooklyn Nets in a good light, not just to to the public and to the people, you know, following champs on Twitter and listening to the podcast, but also to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, because we know that the relationship they have with him uh, at Team USA. Uh, and, you know, there's also things to think about, you know, probably going forward, you know, we'll talk about other sort of coaching candidates, but, you know, he is currently contracted. So will the Nets have to give up assets, be it a first round or a second round to get him? You know, Doc Rivers, um, upon his, you know, removal and, and move to uh, the Clippers, uh, a first round was given up for him. Is Popovich worth more than that? Maybe, who knows? Um, so I, I think that that's something certainly to consider. But I think, you know, we all want Pop. Um, I think... I've seen the pop running gif used more uh, <laughs> in the past couple of weeks than, you know, and I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. It's a great gif and we all want him to be, to be running to BK and running to Barclays. So it's certainly intriguing and it certainly hasn't been, you know, totally disputed or totally shut down by the, the San Antonio Spurs organization or anyone, you know, there. Cause you know, we know the leaks happen from GMs from, you know, RC Buford hasn't said anything. Pop himself hasn't said anything. So I think it's something that is, you know, we've sort of said before on this podcast where there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, we've talked about it with Kevin Durant and until it's totally shut down, then there's certainly a chance. There's still a chance. I mean, everyone thought last year the Nets really didn't have much of a chance at Katie and Kyrie, and that came to fruition. But I think uh, getting at Matt's point, this was definitely a purposeful leak. You know, mm-hmm. this happened right after the Nets got knocked out of the playoffs, kind of maintaining their name in the news. And mm-hmm. I think Josiah, being a new owner, he's used to being like, hey, I want something, and I'm probably going to be able to go buy it and get for whatever I want, and I want to make sure I get the best possible thing. So I, at the very least, they're doing their due diligence, trying to make an attempt at getting this great coach that would, you know, kind of almost – fit like the trio of superstardom with Kyrie, KD, and Popovich having all those big names. It would help probably, you know, some of the pull-away MSG and the Knicks too. So I think that's all part of the idea. And obviously, Sean Marks has the relationship. We have Diago Splitter and a ton of other guys, even Jacques Vaughn himself, which was mentioned in a piece today that if the Nets did bring on another coach, they're hoping to keep Vaughn in the organization. So you could see, I think, a ser- the only scenario I really would see that was if Greg Popovich was named head coach and then Vaughn was his lead assistant. So I think there's a different, a, a couple different options on the table for Popovich being the coach if if it all comes together. And like Jack said, we haven't really heard anything from Popovich. The only thing we heard from R.C. Buford from a report I want to say from uh, CNBC a few days ago was that he's under the assumption that Popovich will be back. Yeah, can I say something about the, uh, the Joe Sy thing as well? So... The thing about him that I think is really interesting is that he's, you know, new owners, as I said, they they typically like to make really splashy moves, especially to try to, whatever, increase ticket revenue or something like that, which I think is absolutely going to be in play because of 
the year that we've had. Um, he inherited a team where he couldn't really do anything with that. What was his big splashy move? Giving, you know, I, if you want to say giving Torian Prince <laughs> a big extension after a couple preseason games. I mean, the, the team itself was already kind of, you knew where they were going to be in terms of cap allocation. So that's kind of why I've been, and I'll be honest, I'm very tentative on the pop thing. Even now seeing that report, I saw some people being like, well, this is evidence that, you know, they, that they're getting Popovich, that they're telling, you know, Vaughn that he could be an assistant and and they're grooming him. I'm like, yeah, like all that's true. And I, I'm sure that the people that are saying that are right. Like that's probably what the Nets plan is. They're going to have Popovich come in. Vaughn's going to be his assistant. Popovich retires. Vaughn takes over. I'm sure that's what the Nets plan is, but we already know what the Nets plan is. We've known what that is for two weeks. That doesn't change yeah. my opinion on this at all. They're very clearly going after going after Greg Popovich, regardless of what anybody says. And very clearly, I think right now, it seems like this all stemmed from Joe Sy. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I need to hear from the Spurs. I need to, need to hear from like Greg Popovich before I can make any sweeping judgments about this. Do you guys think if the Nets are granted an interview with Popovich that that it means that he's most likely going to come? Obviously, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but if he at least accepts an interview, there's big interest from him, and it would make sense considering the Spurs situation that he might want to be in a championship contending team? I'll say yes, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that the the default that I think probably all of us on this pod think that is, you know, Pop is going to stay, you know, he's only got a couple of years left in his coaching career anyway. You know, he's in his mid to late seventies. He's one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach in the history of the sport. And how does he want to end that legacy? Is it going to be, you know, with the, uh, the rebuild of the San Antonio Spurs with guys like Dejounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, and, you know, DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge in their twilight years, or is it going to be, you know, with maybe one more chip heading heading east to, to, to BK with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and, and leading to superstars that would have, you know, question marks in their personalities and egos and all this sort of stuff. And does he sort of do the, the Phil Jackson sort of thing and, and, and re, restate his legacy in a way that, you know, Phil did on numerous occasions with the Lakers, with the Bulls. Um, it's, it's something that would be unprecedented in a lot of ways. But I, I'm, again, I'm... I'm pessimistic in terms of we haven't heard haven't heard anything necessarily about what's you know from the the mouth itself from the horse's mouth itself and I, I don't expect to either you know I don't expect it to happen until there is probably you know we'll get to Ty Lue in a little bit until that they interview Ty Lue as well you know I think that you know I would be the three candidates that we're we're discussing at length here, if there if any of those three are the head coach of the 2020-2021 Brooklyn Nets, I think all of us would be have some level of happiness and content with it. Um, obviously, if there are other candidates that we've sort of spoken about before, be it Mark Jackson, Jason Kidd, Jeff Van Gundy, I think that happiness would be certainly waning. But you know, this Greg Popovich news, it's not going away until we hear from the legend himself, um, or we hear, you know, one way or another from either uh, another leak from Sham saying that you know uh, they are no longer pursuing the services of, you know, we see that sort of tweet, we get that notification, and you know, it's it's going to be interesting because there are so many vacancies right now, and there could be another one in Houston if uh, we see the game seven tonight as we're recording this. You know, the Houston Rockets get blown out. It's almost his fate complete that Mike D'Antoni's gone. And that's been a name that's been linked to the Brooklyn Nets as well, even though that the Indiana Pacers have sort of been, uh, had those rumors sort of heat up a little bit for, for their organization. So it's a, it's a coaching merry-go-round in the NBA right now. And 
The Brooklyn Nets are right in the middle of it. I guess in saying that, I wanted to ask both of you guys a bit of an unprompted question. Do you think that the Brooklyn Nets head coaching position is the number one most attractive head coaching spot in the NBA right now? Or is the the lure of, uh, you know, uh, grooming Zion and, and making him into the superstar that he's going to be or rebuilding the, the process and restarting the process? Is that something that uh, appeals to you? Or is it the, the young nucleus in Chicagoland? Matt, what do you sort of think, I guess, of the the lure of, of Brooklyn and the, the championship uh, hopeful aspirations uh, in 2021? Depends what you want to do. Um, I think that if you're looking at, if you're a coach that kind of wants to control a little bit of like the roster moves, I, I know it's 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 been a while since we've had a coach that's done that, probably since Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota and some, who else? Was Doc there? Rivers. Doc, Doc Rivers. Rivers, yep. Um, I feel like, and I, because I, did they demote El- Elton Brand? I, I remember seeing something about that. I don't know if he was demoted from president to GM. Maybe that's to, like completely wrong. If you are a coach, though, that kind of wants real control over that entire Sixers situation, and trust me, there are going to be coaches out there that want to do that, and you want two young building blocks that you think as a coach, because coaches all believe in themselves, you can mold into a championship core, and if you just figure out the Tobias Harris, Al Horford problem, maybe things can swing the other way. (laughs) Good luck. Um, I know uh, Sixers Adam, have you seen the thing that's going around on Twitter with the draft? Uh, our yep. guy Nolan Jensen's doing it, so he was able to to flip some trades for uh, for both of Tobias Harris and Al Horford. So there's a way to do it, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, if 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 you can figure out a way to just even if you make that roster play together a little bit better in your head, you can sell yourself on that. I can see talking myself into the Sixers just for control reasons alone, because right now that team is completely rudderless. If you're a team like if you're a guy like Ty Lue, who has based on every single interview that we've seen in the past clearly wants like a lot of creative control on whatever team he's coaching next, that might that honestly might appeal to you just as much as coaching like a Kyrie and KD team. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, uh, especially talking about Philadelphia, who has a really dysfunctional front office where like so many different guys are having their hands in decision making. Maybe adding a coach that did have a little bit more say would benefit them. I think if you're looking purely for like, hey, I'm trying to add to my legacy and get a championship as soon as possible, I think the Nets is the most attractive job. But if you're not looking for something super stressful where there's a lot of pressure to win right now, you know, coaching in New York City, then this isn't the job for you. So like Matt kind of said, it depends on what you want and what you're willing to do and the circumstances you're willing to kind of coach under and the flexibility you're willing to have. Because with the Nets, you probably can add a couple pieces. Maybe there's a Bradley Beal. Maybe you add a Drew Holiday. But for the most part, you know your two key cogs are going to be Katie and Kyrie. And then you'll see what happens from there. So it really depends on the situation and what you're asking for and what type of pressure you can deal with. In my eyes, if I was like trying to build up my legacy and be you know, the greatest coach of all time or an all-time coach, I would look at the Nets as probably the most attractive job because I think I could win a championship quicker. Because even in the Philly situation, I'm not sure how fast you can transform that. Like Ideally, you could trade Al Horford and Tobias Harris, but it seems like a tough ask to all do in one offseason. <laughs> and, uh, and I also think with that, 
uh, all of them, all of the the situation that was sort of been uh, alluded to have negatives to them. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen in Brooklyn compared to the worst thing that can happen in in Sixerland, you know, we we have a podcast about the Brooklyn Nets, so we are certainly fans of them and try to make this team more popular, and we love them dearly. But the media scrutiny for a team like Brooklyn that is still, you know, um, despite the fact that you know we can be objective on this podcast, we're still the the second team in New York when it comes to basketball, even with the lack of success the New York Knicks have been having. You can change the narrative there. There's the lure of that. And yeah. then what is the pressure on, you know, if, if you're going to Sixerland and, you know, Josh Harris, who to me seems like one of the more dysfunctional owners and part of the ownership group that I wouldn't want to be a part of. Whereas Joe Sy, despite, and I agree with what, what Matt is saying, because you, know, you look at Tillman Fratino, you look at um, all the more recent and Steve Barmer, all these sort of guys making those splashes and trying to sort of, you know, use their use their wealth in a way that sort of makes them feel sort of worthy in in some sort of way, as as billionaires do. God, to be a billionaire. Uh, anyway, <laughs> in in that sort of sense, I think Josiah is 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 willing and and happy to see control to to a Sean Marks, and from there, the culture is the the sort of standard that is built by him. Whereas in Philadelphia, um, just a, a couple of hours away, it seems to me that the the culture is something that is a totally dysfunctional, and I don't think a head coach can totally fix that unless it's like a Greg Popovich. Maybe a Tyloo can do that as well with his championship uh, pedigree, and I think that just the the personality and, and level headedness that he does bring, I think, would be uh, an asset anywhere. And he's going to be in demand. You know, on every single coaching list, one from BetOnline.ag, it seems to me that he's like the top. It's like, yeah, he's going to coach New Orleans. Yeah, he's probably going to coach Philadelphia. Yeah, he's going to coach Brooklyn as well. He's literally the top two or top three favorites in every single one, except for probably Chicago. Um, so for me, it's going to be intriguing how this all plays out and something we'll certainly be keeping on top of because right now, Tyloo can't be interviewed. You know, I think that in Chicago, I, I read the other day that Woj just sort of said that some assistants that are in the bubble right now, they're being allowed to interview for the, or at least sort of start those initial interviews for the Chicago Bulls head coaching job. But I, I'm guessing that Tyloo isn't in that. I didn't necessarily read the candidates, but I don't think Tyloo has his uh, mind right now on championship aspirations as a head coach. I think as an assistant, um, the, the Clippers right now are in, in the box seat to do that. So I think all his energy is is there. So it's going to be fascinating. You know? I mean, I get- You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national treasures like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. 
Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Because it kind of talks and leads to, to Nick talking about the fact that Jacques Vaughn was interviewed for me overnight. And it seems to me that the things that I sort of took from it was that he heavily impressed uh, the ownership group and such. Just, I guess, does that surprise you at all, Matt? Um, or is it sort of just like, you know, quotes and platitudes that you would expect to see from a report from like Shams? Didn't surprise me. I think that that is what they're doing due diligence. You know, they're, they're, they're honoring the guy that ran the, the ship and, I wasn't overly – I didn't get anything that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, I think that the Nets, per usual, are playing their cards pretty close to their chest. So this is a guy that did good work for them in the bubble. Um, and I think it would be silly to give him any indication of, oh, hey, we're looking at so-and-so, or, oh, we're really thinking about Ty Lu or Greg Popovich. I'm sure he's aware of that stuff, but saying it outright just gives him reason to – um, look at other jobs, and I, I don't think you want to do that as as a team. If if that is, of course, a guy that you really are looking at. Yeah, I think it kind of put Vaughn in a positive light. Obviously, he already impressed with the bubble nets and what he did with the team that he had down there. But I think this is kind of like a safety move, too. And like Matt was kind of referencing, hey, maybe we don't get the other guys in Popovich or Ty Lue. We have Jacques Vaughn almost as a backup option, and we're keeping him in our good graces. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, there's a chance he could uh, be retained by the organization, even if he's not the head coach, being an assistant for one of the guys. It seems like he's really rubbed them the right way, so they want to keep him around. So it makes sense with the report and just kind of using some of their PR moves to help them in this coaching search. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks great in a polo as well. The, 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 the sort of gray <laughs> polos. I mean, we know that the Zach Lowe did a piece on, you know, the, the suit versus the polo versus the sportswear. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Jacques Vaughn is voting polo all the way because he looks absolutely slick. Looks great in the suit too, um, as does Pop, as does Ty Lue. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this all sort of plays out, the dominoes to sort of fall and how – where Ty Lue's priorities are, because and, and where Greg Popovich's uh, priorities are, because it, uh, in, in terms of priorities, I think all of us can say and all of us can see and interpret that it seems to me that Pop is prime candidate number one, Ty Lue is prime candidate number two, and no offense to Jacques Vaughn, this is just the interpretation that I get, but Jacques Vaughn is priority number three. Um, and in that sort of sense, it's not a bad thing because Jacques Vaughn um, has proven himself. We've had plenty of good things to say about him, but he hasn't won a championship. Those other two coaches have championship pedigree. And when it comes to Greg Povich, like I said, to me, best coach in the history of the sport um, in, for, for reasons aplenty, not just uh, his basketball pedigree for everything that he says and does off the court. Uh, he is an absolute icon and... I mean, I'd be giddy. I don't know. I, I remember the feelings and the pods that we did uh, upon the, the KD and Kyrie news. Um, I'm starting to think about uh, what I'd feel like if we got the uh, old man river down in uh, down in Barclays. That'd be, it'd be goddamn heavenly. But uh, my mind wanders, lads. My mind wanders. Do you guys think the timing is going to be interesting for the Nets? Like Jack kind of referenced with Ty Lue being in the bubble, having these other teams. I think there's a report this week um, – via one of the Philadelphia uh, beat reporters that, you know, Vaughn, I mean, Ty Lue is now the favorite for the Philly job or he's the leading candidate and Jack referenced New Orleans is looking at him. Chicago is looking at him. The Nets do have to wait for him. The Nets are still kind of sorting out this, you know, Greg Popovich situation. There are a lot of other coaching vacancies. Vaughn could be offered a job by somebody else. Are you at all worried about the timing of how all this coaching search could work for the Nets? Oh, of course. I, I think that is the, the most, maybe the most 
key point of all of this is that, yes, they have the most attractive job in the market, but they also can't get, like, too cute because there's just yeah. a lot of teams chasing after Ty Lue. I bet you Jacques Vaughn will be in the mix if, if you know, if, if Lou gets picked up quickly. I, I would assume he's in the mix for some of these jobs. Um, they can't be too cute. Um, they need to figure out if this Popovich thing is real pretty quickly, in my opinion. I, and I know that some people, because I've, I've sort of said something like that on on uh, on Twitter, and people are like, no, like coaches would, they, that's the dream job, work, you know, coaching for Kyrie and KD. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, but like also we're in a global depression, and um, some of these, you know, Ty Lue hasn't coached. He's been an assistant coach for the last year. Like he might just really want to get that job and get some security. I don't know. Many guys have different preferences, as you mentioned earlier. So I think it's important. Can't get too cute. Lou was uh, referencing as well in, in certain reports from different outlets about the priority of, of getting the, the bag, and he deserves it. He's a championship coach, and I think I saw something like around the, the realms of $7 million a year, and you know it's a lot of money, and, and it was the, the thing that almost, that pretty much broke the, the camel's back you know, with, with the Lakers. You know, he would have had that job if Rob Palenka and, and ownership had offered him you know, that extra year, that, that extra couple of million dollars, and you know, in like sort of Matt said, in the current unstable times that we're living in, you get that money, Tyler. He does deserve it as well. He has, I feel like he gets underrated, and we've sort of said this before on the pod as well. And I think the the quote from Richard Jefferson when he was on the jump is the the thing that I sort of look to the most. A guy who has been coached by him and has been coached by plenty of other coaches uh, in his basketball career. He said that he is the best X's and O's coach that he has had when he's been in basketball, and he's had a 15, wow. 16 year career. So for that. Tyloo deserves the money that he gets. He played under role. Popovich. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's oh that's that, that, that's saying something. Um. So in, in that sort of sense, you know, I think that anything, any prior, the priorities, we have no idea what the priorities are. It seems to me that money is somewhat of a priority for Tyloo, and I don't think Josiah is going to skimp out on that. I think that he's sort of shown, and hopefully we do see in the off season that you know, there's talks of, and I think we'll talk about in, in future episodes about the luxury tax implications for this Brooklyn Nets team heading forward. But on the coaching thing, I don't think Joe Sy is going to skimp out. We've sort of talked about, you know, the fact that his wealth has risen among other billionaires, which is, again, another frustrating topic during this pandemic. You know, he's been donating money to, to Black Lives Matter movements and, and, and causes of, of that regard as well. So he's putting his money where his mouth is in a lot of ways and sort of endearing himself to the Brooklyn community. Um, and I think that's a good thing. And hopefully... The, the same continues because we saw different things from, you know, Mikhail Prokhorov and the previous ownership. And, you know, you look at other ownership groups and James Dolan and Dan Gilbert and Tillman Fertitta, you know, the unstable nature of the, the, the climate and the economy right now affects different owners in different ways in, in terms of their businesses. But Alibaba, Joe Sai, um, for, for at least from a Brooklyn Nets perspective, uh, seem to be thriving. So that's going to bode well for when he needs to put up or shut up. Yeah, I mean, it could definitely be an advantage for the Nets going to the coaching search, having an owner who's kind of willing to spend almost anything on a coach where some of the other teams might be a little bit more worried about it due to COVID, like you mentioned, Jack. But we did get a report from the New York Post, Brian Lewis, that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving won't be the only Nets to have input on the next head coach. What guys on the team do you anticipate having a say on this head coach, given that it seems like everybody's future is up in the air, other than those two and DeAndre, I guess? I, I don't see anyone, to be honest. Uh, I think that that's those are the sort of the 
not empty platitudes, but platitudes that we hear from Sean Marks and whenever he's sort of speaking to the media. And as Matt was sort of alluding to, this organization doesn't really give away a lot unless it's through now, you know, outlets like Woj and Shams. It seems to be more recently through Shams um, in that regard. So I don't think other players will because, you know, we've talked about at length the, the unstable nature of the roster. You know, it's not like Jared Allen and Jadon Moussa and Rodion Kurtz are going to be having a say in, in the head coaching <laughs> job. It'll be it'll be Sean Marks. It'll be the, the GMs, the assistant GMs, and the the that sort of group, the general manager group of, uh, of, of, of workers there um, that I think is going to have the say on it. And, you know, other than Kyrie and Katie, they'll certainly be consulted. And, you know, we've sort of seen that with the, the signing of Michael Beasley. Jamal Crawford's certainly been a... Uh, gotten a lot of uh, compliments and 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 praise from from the likes of Kevin Durant online and, and in podcast form as well. So, I think that when it comes to the head coaching job, Sean Marks will be certainly be taken into consideration. You know, and that seems to me that this Craig Popovich thing, the leaking of that news, you know, it, it reminds me of uh, this would have been a couple of months ago now, probably closer to the the fire, the the date of the firing of Kenny Atkinson was Brian Windhorst sort of reporting saying that the Nets want a blue chip coach, and that mm-hmm. sort of shows you know to Kyrie and Katie, it's like yeah, we want the the best here, and then, again this Greg Popovich news indicates that further, so. I think that it's ownership, it's Kyrie and Kat. If we're, if we're ranking in terms of who's going to have the most say, I think it's it's Joe Sy. You know, he's the one that cuts the checks at the end of the day. It's Sean Marks. And then maybe Kyrie and Katie are on the same sort of level as Sean Marks. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I, I, I'm, it seems to me that Joe Sy, you know, heard Spencer Dinwiddie say on, the, on an athletic podcast the other day that, you know, the interactions that he's had with ownership groups, that um, him personally, you know, he's had very positive sort of stuff. So to me, that indicates that, you know, Joe Side, and we sort of see him behind the scenes at the games in the locker rooms, seems to be doing all the right things when it comes to the players and such. So I, I personally think that, you know, Joe Side is going to be the one that having the most say. And, you know, when it comes to where we are now and the, the nature of the league, it does not surprise me. And um, it, as long as we get the best candidate available and it's not sort of just settling for a Jason Kidd or a Mark Jackson or, you know, we will see the if Mark Jackson gets uh, named the head coach, you can certainly believe that uh, it's Kevin Durant, the one that's uh, making the hiring more so than the rest of the guys. That's what I would assume. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the one thing I'll say is like, I don't want to say like, this is a weird way to describe this, but I do feel like they have a, a sense of the guys that, that, that Kyrie and KD would be sort of into. Because I think the biggest thing that you need to do is give them somebody that they respect is too strong of a word, but essentially like guys that, that really compel those two to show up and, and give full effort. Not like they're not going to give effort, but essentially just like present them with something again, a blue chipper. And I think that working off that, you can either talk with them directly or work indirectly and figure out what you want to do. And then from there, um, of course, seems like Josiah has quite a bit of influence. And I think that much has been clear, but for, for Marks, I think that's kind of his step-by-step process is being like, okay, here's the, the guys that I think are like pedigree-wise, probably what Kyrie and Katie are looking for, and then I'm going to make evaluations from there. Yeah, and I think also just like going after Popovich shows that they're trying to get like the top guy. And I think like what Jack was saying, Joe Sy is going to have a big say. I think Katie might even have more of a say than Kyrie Irving. Obviously, that's up for yeah. debate. And then, you know, kind of like Matt referenced, there might be guys in this team that Marks is talking to that Katie and Kyrie have maybe shown interest in and keeping. So maybe they are listening or maybe it's just a point of like 
them checking with those guys and seeing how they liked being coaching by Jacques Vaughn because they all had a different experience that, you know, it's hard for Marks or even Katie and Kyrie to know about because they weren't being coached in that situation. But we kind of just mentioned how the roster is in flux or possibly could be in flux over this offseason. And there was a rumor that dropped via Brandon Scoopy Robinson. The Knicks, Suns, Raptors, Nets, Heat, and Timberwolves all have interest in Indiana Pacers guard Victor Oladipo. What did you guys think when you saw this pop up? And mm-hmm. Scoopy didn't necessarily isn't the most credible source in the past, but he's been nailing his last couple net stories, so we have to give him some props. Oh uh, yeah, big shouts. Uh, Scoopy's also just like a really like <laughs> he just seems like I mean I I've talked with him briefly, but and I I wanted I actually want to try to reach out to him this summer, but um just a nice guy. <laughs> so uh, but I uh, I have to say like. I love it. I love it, love it, love it on paper in terms of like, okay, this is exactly what they need. And then I just, I think about the injury and I think about what he's looked like and it just hasn't always felt right. And I know what they'd have to give up. And I think ultimately I'm kind of out. Like, I'm just out. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's the exact right guy for them in terms of fit. That like defensive minded two guard that can give you a little bit of scoring and run the, uh, I guess the bench unit when Kyrie and KD sit. Cause I assume their minutes will be, tied together pretty closely so I like it I like it a lot but I just I can't get over the health thing and I it just it's a it's a big thing for me another health risk is just I don't know if that's the way to go yeah especially when you have two of you might two of your superstars that have health risks already associated with them Katie back from the most serious injury in, in an Achilles that you probably can get in basketball other than maybe an ACL or a broken leg and then Kyrie Irving who has barely played so many games in a regular season across his career and always has lingering injuries. And now we're sort of worrying about that shoulder for him. Um, and uh, in that sort of respect, Karis Levert played better than him in Orlando. I'm not sure if, you know, you take it, uh, look it into a, a too narrow of a lens and go, Karis Levert is now better than uh, Victor Oladipo. Maybe not because, you know, we've sort of seen Victor Oladipo play at an all NBA caliber, all star caliber level of play, but you know, it's going to probably take some more time for him to get back to that sort of level. And the, the Nets don't have any time to wait. Whereas, you know, Carol Severn, you know, has, who also has had his injury history as well, but has shown, you know, durability of late, ability to lead a team. Um, it was, he had a much more better, bubble, he had a much better bubble experience. And to me, if, if you could include Carol Severn in a package like that, it's, and you're giving it up for, for Victor Oladipo. You know, they're around the same sort of age. And, you know, the ceiling is higher with Victor Oladipo. But, you know, you know what you've got. You know the stability. And uh, there's obviously rumors surrounding Karis Avert that we'll get to as well. But it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Brooklyn Nets to give up Karis Avert for a star that's on a similar sort of ilk right now. Not saying that Karis Avert is ever going to be an all-NBA player. But Karis Avert is playing all-star-ish level basketball. At least he was in Orlando. And, you know, Victor Oladipo... The amount of games that he played uh, above the, his normal talent level, you know, I could probably count them on my hands. You know, he, he wasn't he, his form in the in the Orlando bubble experience wasn't great, and you know, Indiana is going through their own sort of you know they're in flux as uh, as as to quote our, our guy Nick here. So it was, I, I personally think you know keep Karras, keep Spence, um, and let you know the Knicks and all the other teams uh, clamor after the services of Victor Oladipo. 
Yeah, I think with Oladipo, there's just some real concern about, like, can he get back to that level that Jack was referencing in 2017, 2018, where he just didn't look like that same guy. And it's a really rare injury that he suffered with his quad slash knee. And I think only a few players have ever, you know, come back from that successfully. Corey, my guy in the NBA outlet, could tell you more about that. But I don't think it'd be worth it in terms of what they're giving up because they'd probably have to give up Karras and probably an additional asset or something because, Indiana's going to value him higher than what he's probably worth. And then you also have to look at the contract situation. In 2021, he's going to be a free agent. He's probably going to be looking for max money. How confident are you that he's going to be up to that level after seeing him play one year and given the injury history of where he can be at? I feel like it just doesn't make sense, and it's it's too risky of a move to make when you have a championship-level team. And no disrespect to Oladipo, I'm just not sure if he'll be able to ever get back to that all-star level or back to that all-NBA level given the injury he suffered in the lack of explosion we saw in Orlando yeah the other thing is like for him like he's gonna have to like part of the the injury itself will be like a physical thing but then the mental side of it as well um that's just a lot of pressure like that's a lot of pressure to try to find your legs for a team that's gonna be competing like the second uh the 2020 21 20 what is 2020 2021 season (laughs) whatever it is that's gonna be fun to say for the next 12 months (laughs) (laughs) and even just looking at Oladipo before he got injured he wasn't necessarily playing the same level of basketball the following year so it could be in the sense that 17-18 was more of an outlier than the true level of player he really is and obviously playing that role player role in OKC didn't work out as well for him he did take growth in his game going to Indiana but going from being the top guy to the third guy is a pretty big drop but uh, talking Jack mentioned Karis LeVert in the third star we did get some more talk about that you know Western Conference executive talking about how, you know, he doesn't think Karis LeVert is a third star. And if, you know, Drew Holiday or Bradley Beal on the table, you probably have to make that trade. Now, obviously, this is something we've already talked about in the past. Has your idea on Karis LeVert changed? I think we'd all agree that if Bradley Beal's there, you make the trade. But what do you think in terms of Drew Holiday? If you have to include Karis LeVert for a Drew Holiday deal and let's say an additional plus asset. Yeah, I definitely, I, I think that, well, that exec is kind of on it. Um, I these There's a lot of these anonymous exec reports. I don't know if you guys, there's been a lot of them. <laughs> this is their time of year. <laughs> like, my goodness, I don't know who these execs are. They're doing, there was one today that came out about um, Giannis, and it was an anonymous all-star saying he shouldn't have been defensive player. Oh, no. in the <laughs> it's the new trend. It's the new NBA trend. I don't know what I think of it. Um. I agree. I mean, yeah, like if you get Bradley Beal, of course you make that deal. I think Drew Holiday is probably about as ideal as it gets in terms of being a third star outside of like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. He's like, he's really about as good as it gets. I guess you'd want like a defensive wing that's a star, but like how many, how many of those are out there in this league? So yeah, for me, I think that that's accurate, but I also, I'm kind of at the point where I was really by the end of the seeding games and my evaluation of Karras really hasn't changed that much even after Orlando um I think that maybe my expectations for what type of a player he's going to be changed a little bit and I think he found himself a little bit more but in terms of what he's providing to the Nets it really hasn't changed at all so I think it's a fit that they could make work I don't know if that's exactly what you want to do for the Nets but I also wouldn't give him up for some deal that just isn't worth it at all like you know you, you try to figure it out with him I think before you just take the kind of good not great deal yeah i think we've all sort of alluded to the fact that you know you've got till february to see what this sort of team is and do you want to bite the bullet right now and sort of go all right drew 
Bradley Beal, whoever else it might be. I mean, Bradley Beal is a, an all-NBA caliber player, one of the best scorers in the league. You make that move, you know, 10 times out of 10, you know, despite what, you know, the the fit defensively, whatever else it might be, you know, he is essentially the same age as Carol Silvert as well. So you're not losing anything in terms of youth and, and everything else there. I think the thing that sort of stuck out to me from the Hoops type article that Nick's alluding to is that nine people were polled, five executives, two scouts and two former teammates of the Brooklyn Nets. I think the two former teammates just uh, in uh, just to sort of uh, rumor monger about it. Um, I think it was Jared Dudley and Ed Davis. Uh, Jared Dudley seems <laughs> to me the one that thinks that Karis Levert is the star. I think Ed Davis is the guy that thinks he probably isn't the star. That's just and that's a discussion for another day. Think of what you will, trying to put two and two together. But five people said that they think they should move Karis. Uh, and another four, so it's sort of almost 50-50 split, think that he should say you, you try and figure it out. You know, I think Drew Holiday is an ideal fit. Maybe Nick and I have inflated uh, estimations of him because of what we saw him do defensively against that Brooklyn Nets a couple of seasons ago. He's a, a, an, an absolute monster on that side of the floor. He, he is absolutely elite. Um, maybe he's lost a little bit and is waning. But there's also contract things to sort of consider with him. You know, his contract is coming to an end. You know, your cost control with Karis Levert. There's a lot of things to consider. It's not just sort of like a like-for-like like fit. You're looking at the, the contract situation, how that sort of works and having to repay and re-up a, a guy like Drew Holiday in the next offseason. You know, what does that sort of do to the salary cap implications? There's certain things to look into there. But purely basketball fit, I love Drew Holiday. Purely basketball fit, Bradley Bill is a star. So I think that both of those guys are better fits and are better players in Carol Levert. So you make those moves. You know, if I was the, one of the anonymous sources, I'd be make it six uh, because I think that, you know, I would move Carol Levert for a bigger star because, you know, the fits, like sort of Matt alluded to, are still questionable. His defense didn't really improve. You know, he didn't really show, obviously, because he had so much of an offensive burden. You know, of, and, you know, what is he going to be? What is his role going to be with the team going forward? And, and with Spencer Dinwiddie and, you know, the the, the skill sets overlap. You know, none of those questions have necessarily been answered. But he was able to sort of grow in confidence, grow in stature as an offensive player, which is awesome. You know, I think 60% of the game is offense and 40% of it is defense. But we don't really have uh, that 40% covered really well right now uh, for the Brooklyn Nets organization. So for me, um, I'm making those moves. Um, if I do get the opportunity, thinking about the money later, because I think that you need to... The, the despite what you know we were probably going to do a pot a, a little while ago Jack McMullen was sort of saying that you know Kyrie and Katie you know they, they let go of their options for the for the fourth year um that is still untrue and it's been redacted it seems so you know the, you need to strike while the iron is hot and if that means making moves in the offseason that means making moves before that February deadline you've got to do everything because it, it's championship or bust for this team and I think that if they don't if this organization the Hornets don't win a championship and the next season, two or three, however much longer you have Kyrie and KD, uh, it's going to be a failure. Yeah, I think you look to be aggressive. And just to clarify my quotes, uh, well, their quotes, the Western Conference executive is the one that said he's not a third star. He needs the ball, takes away from KD and Kyrie. He can't shoot when he's off ball. In crunch time, he won't be guarded if all three are on the floor. And then this is the quote that I think Jack alluded to that he probably thinks is Ed Davis. I love Karis. That's my guy. But if you can get Bradley Beal, you make the trade. You know, another one of LaVert's teammates, maybe even Drew Holiday, Anybody besides that, I keep him. 
So I agree. I think if you Bradley Beal's on the table, you definitely look to make that move. Like Jack said, that's you're just adding so much talent to the offense that other teams are going to have an incredibly difficult difficult time trying to game plan against you. And I think on the Drew Holiday front, I think obviously he's a better player than Karis Avert, but you want to make sure that you're making a good trade and not giving up too many assets for a guy that's going to be due a contract probably in 2021 unless he takes his player option. So, But I don't think there's technically where I'm not looking, like Matt said, I'm not looking to push Karis out the door unless I think it's a good trade that's going to help me win a championship and I'm getting fair value. I don't think you're going to look to put push out a guy who is probably all-star level talent. You're willing to see if you can make that work until February or whenever the trade deadline is. Make the move then or maybe move Dinwiddie and see which guy kind of works better with Katie and Kyrie or and honestly which guy they like better because at the end of the day, we kind of talked about it with the coaching. They're going to have a lot of say in what goes on around in Brooklyn. But off from there, guys, we did have some other news on Steve Kerr saying that Katie was the most talented player he's ever seen in his life. We'll touch on that real quick, and it's not much about Steve Kerr, but where do you think Katie will be in terms of returning to the NBA? What type of level player? Will he be a top five guy, top three, top 10, top 15? What are you thinking or expecting from Katie when he returns to the court? Obviously, ample time to rehab. It's been so long since I that that clip that went around Twitter. I was like, "Oh wow, I forgot like how ridiculous this guy is to watch." The pull-up threes are nuts. I like you watch that and like look. We've how like, Katie's been in the league for what? Uh, how many years now? 12, 11 yeah. years. Yeah. Twelve, thirteen yeah, years. Like Even now, I watch him play and I'm like, "This is bizarre." Like it, I don't know how else to describe it. I'm just like I don't know. I my brain can't even compute watching this. It's been that long with Kevin Durant. Like I've seen Kevin Durant my whole basketball life. It feels like, and even now watching him play, him just being like ginormous and doing these crossovers and step back threes. Um, it's freaky. It really is. And and I don't know even if he loses a step if it really matters, like, I think you'll see it on defense, but offensively, I'm like, I just don't know how you stop this. Like, I really don't. If he's dribbling into threes and his shot, it looks all right, then I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think in to be conservative, I think a floor of his is top 10, 12. Ceiling, he's the best player in the league. It, it, there's no doubt about that right now. I think probably the consensus is that Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the yep. NBA right now. He's proven that. He's a postseason absolute phenom. And Kevin Durant has two finals MVPs himself. So he's not too bad uh, when push comes to shove also. And he certainly knows uh, how to put up or shut up when you know, the big moments do occur. You know, in terms of you know the, 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 the quote itself, the talent that a, a guy of his size and ilk is it's un, unheard of. His handle is absolutely tight. His passing it grew immensely in that Golden State sort of utilitarian sort of offense. Um, his shooting is unparalleled. Might be the best shooter, purest shooter that we've ever seen, let alone for a guy his size from every level of the floor, be it a Dirk fadeaway, be it a, a, a step back three or a sidestep three, be it driving to the rim, be it his length. And his defense grew, and maybe that's one step we probably see. And, you know, that's all of those things might take a step back after an Achilles surgery. But, you know, if we're looking at, you know, the fact that the, the success stories of Dominique Wilkins coming back from an Achilles injury, I think Kevin Rat might make it number two with the, the passion that he has for, for the craft of basketball and the work that he's been putting in and the extra time that he's had off not having to head to Orlando. 
I think we, we could be seeing something special. And, you know, Brooklyn is very lucky, very, very lucky to have the number seven suit up for them because um, I think we're in for a treat. And um, I'm certainly hoping we get to see KD uh, absolutely rip off an MVP season, lead the Brooklyn Nets uh, and build himself a narrative that sort of is just like, you know, you guys need to really shut up now. I've led this team. I'm the MVP. I'm the finals MVP. I'm leading scoring. I'm playing good defense. And, you know, I'm winning a chip with this team. And um, I'm really, really excited for it to happen. I think that, you know, since I've been a fan of this team, not for as long as you guys, I, I understand that. But I haven't been more excited to see a player suit up for the black and white than I have uh, with Kevin Durant. And I think what you guys reference is what makes you the most exciting, gives you the most optimism. A lot of those traits that Steve Garturk talked about were skill-related. Like, he's in such an elite shooter. He has such great handles, and he does it at this incredibly freakish size that not many players can match with in the NBA. So if he lost a step, he lost a step. But he's probably still going to be a mismatch for 99% of the NBA, given his length and the skill set he has. So I think you you hit it on the head, Jack, when you said, you know, floor, probably top 10, top 12 players stealing. He could still end up being that best guy because maybe his, his game changes a little bit, and he continues to focus more on those skills, maybe working a little bit more in the post. And we know... He might be the best guy in the league at shooting contested jumpers because when you contest a shot, you're not really impacting him given his length. So I think I have a lot of confidence in what KD can do. And given the layoff, he had plenty of time to get 100% healthy. But touching on something sad that uh, we got some news of this week, former net Clifford Robinson passed away, obviously didn't spend a ton, a ton of time with the Nets, you know, two seasons. He actually, I think, was the oldest net to ever put on a uniform before the Nets signed Jamal Crawford. So he had some good moments for the team and those uh, final New Jersey years. All I'll say is uh, part of my French, fuck cancer. Let's just, that's fuck cancer. I'll say it a million times. Um, we've, it's been a rough year for, for, for many of us and for all of us. And um, thoughts and well wishes and deep condolences to Cliff Robinson family and, and everyone associated with him. It's, it's just been a sad year, sad couple of weeks, guys. So, yeah, fuck cancer. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, just my my heart goes out to his family. Um, I don't know. Just really, last week was a tough one. I mean, that was that was up there, and that's saying something in 2020. But, um, you know, he just to, to provide, like, you know, just what he was like as a player, he was the original stretch five. It really, he really was. I mean, um, he gave a lot of inspiration, I think, to a lot of the way that fives are playing in today's league, and it's just sad. It's really sad. He's too young to go, and uh, fuck cancer. I agree. Yeah, only at 53. It's just super sad to see. And like you said, Matt, he was a guy that probably if he played in this generation, he would even have a bigger impact in the league. And I heard this on a Zach Lowe podcast. You know, Clifford Robinson, I think, has over 19,000 points in the NBA, which is more than a good chunk of Hall of Famer. So you have to give him a lot of props on the career he had. Like you guys said, fuck cancer. But on a positive note, uh, the Brooklyn Nets announced today, in addition to being a polling site on Election Day on November 3rd, Barclays Center also will be an early voting site from October 21st to November 1st. This is great to see. What were your thoughts when you saw the news? Oh, I'm pumped, man. I'm going to hop right in on this. I'm pumped. Yes, sir. Um, Matt, you should be one of the election workers. I think they're paying $2,800. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah, dude, I'll do that. Hey, man, I'll take money on whatever. Maybe I'll, I'll like, <laughs> I'll do some streams while I'm there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I... I'm I'm excited because I thought about this. I, I saw it. You know, I've I've checked if I'm registered probably three times already. I really only needed to do that once, but just really, you know, I want to go out and exercise 
my rights and the fact that I get to go do that at the Barclays. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna treat this like it's a socially distanced like hangout. I'm gonna be like, yo, wh- who's nice. going to vote today? <laughs> yeah. I'm stoked, man. I haven't been to the Barclays since uh what March of this year. I mean, any reason to go back there is enough for me. So I'm happy we're we're bringing this up on the high note right now. I'm very excited to go do that, and uh, you can catch me at the Barclays, man. I'll be getting my vote on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as an Australian citizen, I'm extri- extremely excited for, for all you guys to exercise your right to democracy. And as a person <laughs> who is, is generally just passionate about leadership and, and politics right now, um, it's great what the NBA, not not necessarily the brass, because I think it is on the players and the the power that they are showing to ins- instill this change is, it, it's, it steps along the way where, you know, if they hadn't have done what they've done and massive shout outs to George Hill, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks organization for exercising their right to strike. Uh, I thought that was absolutely awesome. And with that now, we have pretty much every organization is using the, their venue uh, as a, some sort of a polling site or, or whatever, whatever else it might be. And they should be because a lot of them are tax funded in the first place. So um, it seems ludicrous that it, this was taken so long to be a reality. But hopefully uh, I put something a little bit crude on Twitter today about the orange uh, monkey that is leading the country right now. So everyone get out there, vote. It's a, it's not the be all and end all, um, but don't just vote in the, the federal elections, vote in your local elections, vote in for whatever else it might be, mayors and police chiefs and sheriffs. Get out there, guys. Uh, exercise your right to democracy. Um, it is, despite the fact that, you know, there might be... Lots of reasons not to and lots of reasons being and lots of barriers being put in place. Um, if you can do that, you know, you are doing your part to, to make your voice heard. And um, we all need to exercise that in any way possible right now in a pretty unstable nature uh, of the world where it is and uh, get out there and vote. And um, I know that on the buzz, if I was there, I could clone myself and send myself and teleport myself to Barclays, the Brooklyn version. I got uh, no, my American accent at that grade. Yeah, oh, yo, uh, look. <laughs> Can I uh, vote for, for Joey Biden? No, nah, that's not that great. I, I'll, I'll stay down here. <laughs> Dan Andrews and Scott Morrison. I'll, I'll, I'll stick to these sort of guys in, in the Australian election. <laughs> Wherever you are in the world, exercise your right to democracy and vote, 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 um, and make your voice heard because uh, right now, power of the people, guys. Power of the people. Yeah, I mean, if you weren't going to vote before that, now you have to. Jackson, Australia. <laughs> Australia telling you guys that you need to go vote. You got to go do it. And like you said, though, Jack, on a more serious note, props to the players and what they did last week in the NBA. We didn't really get a chance to talk about that. If you want deeper coverage of that, you can check out the outlet where Corey Waldron and Jay Christian and I all dove deep into it. But this doesn't happen without the strike that they went on last week and trying to put pressure on the ownership and put pressure on the NBA and trying to make real change and using their influence to make this a better country. So props to them. And I think on that note, we're good for today, guys. Always a pleasure talking to you about Nets news. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Like I mentioned before, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and OTGBasketball.com. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline has sat down with former pro athletes Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they have to say on what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.